0: Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by Your Podcast Team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at YourPodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Hi, this is David Spray. Welcome to another episode of Podcasting Stories. My interview today is with Brandon Poe. Brandon has an interesting uh, story. He's had a podcast for eight years and he is a former CPA and he uh, helps CPA firms uh, or CPA firm owners who want to uh, sell their practice. He helps uh, find buyers for that. And he also has another business to help uh, CPAs. don't want to sell the practice but want to have a better practice. Uh, We talked about a number of things, and uh, it was really a great interview with uh, his experience of having a podcast and some of the benefits that he witnessed himself from having a podcast. And so we get into a number of uh, of stories and comparisons between our experiences of having a podcast and how it is like a superpower. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I did. Brandon Poe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let me read a quick bio to uh, rather than getting into a long conversation about your background. So let me just read it. So Brandon Poe is the founder of Poe Group Advisors, as well as the Accounting Practice Academy. He's also the president of the Charleston, South Carolina chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization. Brandon received a BS in accounting from the University of South Carolina. Brandon and his family reside in Charleston, South Carolina. Did I miss anything that's relevant?
1: No, I think that uh the... Catches most of it, it sure does. <laughs>
0: okay. So, um, I believe you founded Poe Group Advisors in 2003. Is that right?
1: Well, I actually started with another company doing this. And um, so I've been selling CPA firms since 2003. And we launched the Poe Group brand, I want to say it was 2009, 2010. Okay. Um, yeah so it's we've been gosh,
0: that's time flies. it does <laughs> so how years. do you de- how do you describe what you guys do?
1: Well, we are very specialized business brokers, and we sell PPA firms all over North America. Uh, what we essentially do is find people that want to exit their practices and they really don't have someone. Um, usually they don't have someone that's going to take over internally or a family member to, to hand it off to. And we, you know, provide a marketplace. So we do a lot of, um, you know, we're kind of a market maker. We do a lot to attract buyers to, to our, you know, to our uh, system and we have buyers and sellers. We match them up and help facilitate the transaction Help them close, and, um, and that—that's kind of it in a nutshell. And then Accounting Practice Academy is—you know—we've learned a lot about practice management just from helping people buy and sell firms. And we talk to CPAs every day; we see their financial statements. So we thought, you know, we've—we've we've really got a unique vantage point in the marketplace for how firms can be or or should be run and how they can be optimized. So we developed a virtual workshop. We started it in 2019 and we launched it for the first time in spring of 2020. And um, it's an eight week virtual workshop where um, we go over some concepts. We actually deliver tools that people uh, use to to analyze their own practices. And then we have a community component where workshop groups kind of form a mastermind and they talk about these things uh, once a week. So uh, do that for eight weeks, eight different topics, and what the you know what the journey what the APA member comes through is a blueprint for where they want to take their firm
0: strategically. Um, okay. Yeah, It's it's funny because both of us being former CPAs, uh, are, are you former CPA or is your license still?
1: I'm, I, I'm still a CPA. I've kept my license. I've struggled with that. Like, do I want to keep my license or not? Because <laughs> yeah, I don't practice, but uh, I do have a license.
0: Yeah. In Texas, they made it real easy. The uh, annual cost to keep it's real expensive. And I just thought, you know. I'd rather spend that money like entertaining clients. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I,
1: I, I struggle with it every year when I have to do CPE, when I have to get yep. that 40 hours of continuing ad, I'm like, ah.
0: <laughs> yep. no, I, uh, I know what you mean, but obviously because of our CPA background, we both have a, uh, you know, a soft spot for CPAs, right? And that's why you you help them sell practices and you help them if they're not ready to sell their practice to have a a better, uh, more enjoyable practice, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, I see such a dichotomy, you know, I see CPAs. I mean, I've got a client right now who's exiting uh, in Canada and he runs about, he only operates about five hours a week, his CPA practice. And it's a pretty good price practice. Like it's a million and a half dollar mm. a year revenue practice. And then on the flip side of that, I've got people who, you know, run much smaller firms and they're working 70 and 80 hours a week and they're frustrated and they're burned out. And it's like, wow, it's it, um, such a, such a disparity. How can we help some people get to that, you know, more, more ideal sort of situation.
0: Sure. Sure. So stepping back to your original business, the uh, accounting intermediary services. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So it seems like the average, uh, you know, uh, fee sensitive CPA that I know would say, well, hey, why do I need to hire Brandon and pay him some percentage? There's only three people in town who are interested in buying my firm, and I know all three of them. Why don't I just call them myself and and, just, and, uh, and, and not waste my money paying Brandon? So uh, yeah. what's, the, what's the flaw in that thinking?
1: Well, I just tell people, like, you're thinking about it all wrong. You're focused, on the, you're focused on the check that you've got to write to me. What you really should be focusing on is the check that's coming to you. And um, what is the net likely to be? Now there are cases where a CPA can certainly sell on their own. They're smart. They've seen they've seen their clients get through transactions. So it's not it's not like it's rocket science. But there is no way that you're going to be able to compete with the number of buyers that we can expose your practice to. I mean, you know you can put your ad. You can put an ad out to tomorrow, in a you know in a, a classified or some sort of listing service and you you'll get some inquiries but the cumulative effect of our marketing is a, has a very powerful effect so you know someone might look at that ad that's out today um but but you don't get the people who were looking at ads 3 years ago and they just hadn't right. found quite the right right fit for them and you know we've got a database a CRM full of buyers. So they might get our email and go, Oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And so not only do you get a better price out of that deal, you often get better terms and ultimately it's because you get a better fit, you know? So, um, it's a numbers game.
0: It's a numbers
1: game. It's a numbers game and it, it's a fit. Like if you get the right fit, um, That's going to optimize everything. That's what this is all about. It's like, it's not just finding a buyer who will pay the price and write the check. It's finding the buyer that's going to really be successful in that firm and who the clients are going to like, who the staff are going to like, and who's going to prosper. And if that buyer is going to prosper, they're going to know they're going to to be prosperous in that practice, or they'll have a pretty strong confidence of it. And they're going to pay what they need to pay to, to get in there. So, you know, it's 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 really an optimization um, based on that. I mean, if you boil it all down. Now, the other things that we do to add value is um, there's just the time part of it, the time and energy. So, sure, you know, we're kind of we're kind of impartial in this um, when we're you know we're looking at buyers and. We, you know, it's nice to have someone who's not uh, so close to the practice to help sift through the buyers. We have a very efficient process for people to to go through um, and evaluate different buyers. So there's a lot of value in that. I mean, I, a lot of CPAs don't realize how much time and energy it, it can take to evaluate multiple parties, which, which mm-hmm. helps you it's like that numbers game. So, you know, even if you've got three that you're talking to, It's a significant time investment if you're not careful, and uh, you know if you take your eye off the ball of running your firm, um, there's a cost associated with that.
0: And sure, you know, well, there's another piece that I think I've learned from uh, being a friend of yours for a decade, and that's that if they go try to find the three local firms they know to buy them, those firms are probably going to want to pay the price out of earnings, right? They're probably going to want a more, a little down and then pay you out of earnings. And oh, by the way, you you might stick around a couple years, but isn't it true that your buyers are typically a cash buyer and the person, you know, and the seller can be out of there pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's our, um, that's our model. And, and, you know, when you have a, a firm that's reasonably profitable in a pretty good location, we get cash. We get all cash for a lot of our practices. And most of our practices are on a fixed or sold on a fixed price. I think, you know, 10 to 15 percent per year will have some sort of little earnout contingency. Um, mm-hmm. But that's usually because of, that's usually for a good reason. Like like if, if you have a million dollar practice and one client say represents two hundred thousand of revenue, sure. then a pro- you're probably going to have some sort of. Earnout component associated with that one client. So, you know, there are those, those instances where there are some earnout clauses in there, but um, yeah. And, and, you know, talking about approaching the three firms, I don't know. There's a positioning, there's a positioning piece to that. Like it's. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. How do you not look desperate yeah. when you go to those firms?
1: Yeah. You just, you don't, you know, you don't have your ducks in a row all the time. You don't have all your practice information laid out in a way that's easy to understand. You're you're not um, in a, a strong position um, versus when you when we approach somebody, um, they know they're in a more competitive environment. You know they know they're not the only buyer or amongst a handful. So it, it's a much stronger positioning. Um, you know that initial positioning is important and sure. anchors the negotiation.
0: Anchors the negotiation. Sure. Well, let's, uh, since the name of this podcast is Podcasting Stories, let's uh, let's <laughs> tell some podcasting stories, shall we? So I believe you yeah. started your podcast, uh, The Accountant's Flight Plan, eight years ago. Is that right? Has it been that long? Uh, it's
1: been, gosh, it's been, I guess it has been that long. So I um, reached out to a guy named Rick Payne who people may know Rick. Uh, he's been around the accounting industry for a very long time. He was one of the original founders of the Accountants Boot Camp. And um, there was a company called, back in the 90s, that came through the US in a pretty big way called Results Accountant System. And they were later purchased by Rand One. And they do coaching, kind of, um, kind of the first exposure I ever had to sort of practice management coaching. And this was a group out of Australia Oh yeah. They're the
0: ones, they're the ones associated with Ron Baker, right?
1: They are, they have had Ron Baker involved. Um, yeah, these guys kind of, they know they, they were pretty heavy. They were thought leaders in the profession for, for a number of years. Uh, A guy named Paul Dunn and Rick Payne. And, um, so Rick, um, Rick was going to sell some intellectual property from, accountants boot camp, he was going to get out of the business. And I went and met with him in Reno, Nevada and flew out there uh, just to meet with Rick and spend a couple of days with him and talk about practice management coaching. This was eight years ago. So, you know, we've been cooking up the practice management thing for a while and I've always been interested in it. And I was fascinated by Rick's work and Rick, I think he's living in Australia now and has since sort of eased off, but um, brilliant guy. And he's like, we need to do a podcast together. And I didn't even know what a podcast was. And I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so uh, I go on his podcast. His company at the time was called Principa. And I, um, we actually still have those podcasts up on our, on our uh, feed. So there was some of the original podcasting I did was with Rick and they're great. They're, they're timeless. Like they're evergreen content. They're, he talks about strategy. Um, they're just, they're awesome. If you go to our resources page and scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see those, those podcasts I'm talking about. And so I, I, he was taking the lead and he did all the recording. And the first one we did, I, I was, I was nervous. I was actually really kind of nervous the first time. For one, I, I sort of really looked up to Rick because um, I had known him, kind of followed him for years, and I remember doing that first podcast and being a little nervous, and and uh, and then he said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop recording," and but he didn't stop recording, and so we just had this conversation.
0: Oh, how about <laughs> that? That's pretty clever.
1: It was. I don't think he. Well, he might have. It might have been clever. I don't know if it was clever. Or if it was accidental.
0: But okay.
1: he said, um, so he says, we're not going to record. And he keeps recording. And we, we talked for like, I don't know, a while. I can't remember exactly. And he's like, you know, what we just had, what we just had was really good conversation. That was good. And uh, he said, I'm going to send it to you. And so he sent me the recording and we were like, oh my gosh, this is a good Spot here. There's a good fifteen minutes here. There's a good ten minutes here, and we just cut that up. We cut up that hour or whatever it was we talked, and we made like four podcasts out of it. Oh, and like wow. I say, those are yeah, those are still those are still out there. They're still up, and it was just I was hooked. I was like, this is fun. Like it's um, it's sort of an easy way to create content. If you you know if if you've been around, if you're knowledgeable in your industry. And you know your stuff. It's just easy to talk about,
0: and, mm-hmm.
1: and and I think it. I think people sense that, right? Like you know, you you hear somebody, and you can just tell there's a depth of knowledge behind what they're saying. There's something behind what everything they're saying. It comes from experience. Sure. It comes. It comes from a from a long, you know, maybe some maybe some bad experience, but it comes from experience, and. So I just sort of fell in love with the whole podcasting idea because, you know, at that time I had been selling firms for a long time. I, I knew, I knew what I was doing and Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, I didn't have to think about it. I could just show up and record. And, you know, I had been blog writing for a number of years and I enjoy writing. I mean, I've, I've authored a couple of books now and, um, but writing's hard. <laughs> writing, right. writing is, writing is, is significantly more taxing, I think for me anyway, to than just showing up and talking. So,
0: yeah, I agreed. And that's Dan Sullivan's always said that, that, uh, that from strategic coach, that it's easier to talk than it is to write. And the more you can just talk and have it transcribed or, somehow repurposed that's the uh that's the official way to do it
1: yeah exactly and um i just I, I just got finished i'm gonna put put my air quotes up writing a book and um it's out now it just came out um it's called the unplugged vacation and actually that book was written from a transcription it was written from a, an interview
0: Oh, did you I use? Did, with, did you use Dean's company?
1: I did Dean Jackson's yeah. ninety-minute book company.
0: Yep, I've and done. They one have with a, him too. Yeah,
1: they have a great process, and uh, but I noticed that when I was reading the book to do the editing piece, that my written voice and my spoken voice are very different. Uh huh. You know? um, and I, I had never really observed that before but you know it's um it was just an interesting observation having having gone through that process
0: sure uh, well you know it's ironic about the way you met rick you flew to reno to meet with him i did almost the same thing with uh ron baker i flew to las vegas nevada not reno nevada but las vegas nevada because ron was speaking at an aicpa event and i flew there just to have a drink with him afterwards and then i flew back we spent about an hour and a half together and um similar kind of thing it it sort of changed the trajectory of my career now this was back in like 2003 2004 about the time you started uh, selling accounting practices
1: wow yeah ron i've i've um had ron on my podcast he's he's an amazing guy
0: Um, he is I've had him on mine as well.
1: Yeah, but he's he, he's uh yeah his pricing model is um.
0: Really I told him.
1: Had yeah, a, I told it's him had a big impact. Yeah.
0: Um, me too. I told him when he was on my podcast. I said, Ron, you. I said, I've probably sold a hundred copies of your books to people through the years. But that's, that's a pales in comparison to the millions of dollars of revenue you have added to my company over the last two decades. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's, it's not often that there's, that you you meet somebody who's had that big of a financial impact that you get to publicly oh, and, uh, thank them.
1: It's, um, you know, it's so cool because all this information is out there, right? Like it's, it's there. That's, that's what's so so um, both inspiring and frustrating about meeting accountants who own firms that aren't doing well. Right. <laughs> like, like right. You know, it's like like all the stuff is out there. All you have to do is consume it. Like it's and it's right, it's right there. It's it's right there for you to consume, and it's. You know, it's doable and it doesn't have to be so hard. You don't have to beat your head against the wall every day to go to work. (laughs) It's it's really not that hard.
0: (laughs) Sure. But I guess once they get stuck in the 60, 70 hour a week work cycle, it's all they they don't have time to or they don't think they have time to uh, work on the business. Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the nastiest treadmill it's like you're handcuffed you get into that 60 70 hour a week rut it's hard to get out of that rut you know
0: yeah yep that is for sure so um so uh, as you know this podcast is geared toward people who are considering starting their own podcast so our guests are either people like you who are seasoned uh podcast veterans or people who just recently launched a podcast or, uh, people who are considering a podcast. So what I want to talk to you about is, uh, uh, I put together just a little, uh, uh, document that's, uh, from my experience, the 50 benefits of a podcast. And you were kind enough to review that and just go ahead and kind of mark off some that you thought were relevant to you. And what I'd like to do is just to kind of use that as a template, and just kind of go through some of these, and let you just talk uh, a bit more about them. Does that sound good? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, by the, yeah. By the way, anyone listening, they can. The link will be in the show notes, but it's at yourpodcast.team/slash/50benefits if they want to uh, download it. So, uh, the first one you checked was number five. People can listen to your podcast while multitasking. Cannot do that when they're watching your video. So talk to me about that. What, uh, how, how does well, that resonate with you? Well,
1: well people tell me that, um, that people listen to them in the car all the time. Yep. And, you know, we'll do long. So one of the things that we do on our podcast is we don't put time constraints on them. Like, you know, people, what, what's interesting is like no one's ever given me a podcast structure. And even if they did, I wouldn't follow it. I wouldn't even read it because <laughs> I don't, because I, because I don't want to change what we've done. Like we've done something very organic. So we have these different lengths of podcasts, and some of them will go over an hour. And I'm, I'm telling you, people tell me they'll get in their car and they'll listen to the whole thing. And sometimes I've been told like. You know, I couldn't finish it in my commute, so I just sat in the parking lot and finished listening to it before I, before I went to the office.
0: And Isn't that cool?
1: It's very cool. It's, I love. I get. I'm amazed at how much feedback I get about our podcast. Like it's, um, it, it's it's kind of it's. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't expected. I was never got never expected to hear that much feedback on
0: content that we've created. Sure. No, that's, uh, yeah, I, I love podcasting. It's probably the favorite thing I do all week. Um, so the next section of the 50 benefits is what we call authority. And there's five examples there and three of them, you, uh, you checked off, uh, number eight, become an authority in your field. Number nine, build influence. Number 11, establish expertise and build trust with your audience. So can you think of some examples where you've received feedback that you, Felt that that you, they were recognizing you as an authority just because you had a podcast on the subject.
1: Yeah, I think um, like they don't. I, I feel like they don't come out and say that. You know, they, you know, they won't say, "Oh, you're a, you're an authority." But,
0: understood.
1: You know um, what they do? What I have noticed is. You know, let me give you some context, first of all. We're a very transactional business. I mean, the nature of our business is transactional. So we don't hold on to clients very long, which is really unfortunate because I run into some wonderful people that I enjoy working with. And it's like we get their deal closed and we don't get to continue the relationship much longer after that. But because of that, you know, we're, we're essentially a marketing organization. Mm -hmm. And marketing and sales. So we're very strong in marketing and sales. And, um, what you, the the perfect marketing is going to make the sales job easy. You know, if, if the mark, if the marketing can turn you into an order taker, that's really good marketing. You know, where people, where people are just showing up to your door ready to buy. And, I feel like the podcast does that heavy lifting for you because, you know, for me to have an hour-long conversation with a 100 people is a 100 hours, but I can do that on a podcast once. And they still get the same feel for what you're about. Um, they develop a certain trust in you know how good you are at your profession. I think you know, a big component of trust. Somebody told me there's two components of trust is is one is will you do what you say you're gonna do, are you honest? And the other is are you knowledgeable? Can you trust that they know what they're doing. Oh, and right. I think I think that um you yeah, know the podcasting does a great job somewhat of both of those because your personality comes out and People pick up on your personality and pick up on your trustworthiness that way, and they definitely pick up on your your knowledge base on a podcast. So, in that regard, you know, if somebody comes to me, they said, "I've listened to your, you know, your hour long podcast." They just come at you with a different their, their their skepticism sort of is not is already gone.
0: Yeah. So well, and you're the other not, things, Yeah. No, I was just going to say that people also have uh especially a cpa has like salesperson resistance Mm -hmm. you know i mean they don't necessarily want to spend an hour being sold by like a salesperson but they would like to kind of try to get a sense of who that person's all about and so in many ways it's less threatening and it's easier for a person to listen to you having an hour-long conversation than for them to have the stress of having what they may view as a sales call with you.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and and you know, selling your business is a huge decision. So it's a it's not like you know, it's not like I'm trying to sell cheeseburgers. I'm I'm selling right. a service that, that's that's uh, a very
0: you know careful. Big decision for someone, and probably so, the biggest asset they'll ever, ever sell. I mean, I would think yeah, the average five, CPA firm's practice is probably worth more than their house. Most
1: of them, think, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big decision, and not only a financial decision; it's it's an emotional decision, right? Because you put your whole yeah you know, your you whole life so into. Much, it. Yeah, you put your whole all so so much energy has been put into your practice, so um, it's a big decision. So it's it's um what I find is that's why podcasting is helpful for me because it's a big ticket item. So if you're selling um, <laughs> a big ticket item, which which of you know if you're a CPA, um, a long term relationship with a CPA is a big ticket item. I mean it's well the yeah life, the what lifetime is, value. What is, yeah. What's the lifetime value of a client? I mean, you know, $10,000 a year client for 20 years is a couple hundred yeah. grand. So, um, exactly. you know, and if you factor in the referrals that you get from those clients, like, like, like if you, right. you know, if you get your, if you get your best clients from referrals and you have a $10,000 a your, uh, your client that likes, that's really a good fit client. And then they refer other people to you. then the lifetime value of that client is actually much higher much, much higher than their fees. So,
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: so yeah, the podcasting is great for those larger ticket items.
0: Do you, could you think of any examples where you picked up a client from the podcast?
1: Yeah, we, we sold a firm in Nashville, Tennessee last year. And I'm convinced that now we didn't generate the lead from the podcast. The lead, right. the, the lead, the lead came in from some other channel, but, um, she had listened to one of our podcasts and I can't remember which one it was, but, uh, that's when she prompted, that's when she called me and that's when we, she was actually signed up with another broker at the time.
0: Wow. And, no. And that makes sense, right? Because they, you know, she, she found you through some other channel through some, Uh, content or guide or something, right? So she had some sense that you knew what you were talking about. uh, But her relationship with you was changed because of the podcast. Exactly. Her her trust in you, she probably better understood who you were and your philosophies and strategies having listened to the podcast
1: Exactly. And, and, you know, it was a tough situation for her because she had someone that she was working with, but she wasn't sure if, if they were giving her the leadership and guidance that she wanted. And, um, I think the podcast sort of, um, prompted her to re-examine that, (laughs) that relationship and, and look at this one instead. So, yeah, it's, that was probably the, that particular Lifting was probably the most concrete example of the podcast making the difference.
0: Yeah, no, and I we have a scorecard that you were kind enough to uh, to look at also, uh, where we've got eight questions and it's at uh, yourpodcastscore.com. And it's really an assessment to see if you're a good fit for a podcast or not. And one of the questions is, is the lifetime value of a client for you more than $20,000. And uh, even though yours is just a single transaction, uh, you scored that, 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 was definitely the case. So uh, you think about the, the profit or the revenue you made on that transaction that sure paid for a lot of uh, your podcasting time, didn't it?
1: It absolutely. It absolutely did. I mean, content, content creation is, um, that, you know, the, you've heard content is king. That's, I don't know if people still say that. People used to say that. I think when,
0: so. Uh,
1: when blogs and I started sort of subscribing to that philosophy a long time ago, is content for marketing. Content really is it's king. And you know, we had been blog writing for years and years, and I just found that the podcasting was, you know, sort of that that lead conversion piece that was, was sort of missing in our content. You know, it was, wasn't always the best place to start with the lead, but it was the best place to convert a lead.
0: Yeah, and one of the benefits we have, number 48, uh, that you agreed with was it's easier to produce a consistent podcast than a consistent blog post.
1: No question. For for me it's completely easy. Now we've kinda internally done a setup that you do for people. Um and it, it took a lot of time and energy for us to get that set up. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: but what we you know, we have the the benefit of having I have a guy that went to film school <laughs> on my team, um and he's this wonderful editor and he cuts everything for me and um Writes up the post, and so I've got it to where all I have to do is show up. Um, sure, but
0: that's so. I think, I think I owe you. Yeah, so I think I owe you an apology. I should apologize that I didn't think to start this business nine years ago when you could have actually uh, used our service, yeah. right? So I'm sorry <laughs> about that, Brandon. Sorry <laughs> about that, buddy.
1: Well, you know, if I had had that, it, it, my launch would have been much faster. So you can tell from the history of my podcasting is like we were really slow to get started. So when we did those ones with Rick, like we did those and then I was sort of sporadically doing them like, and then I went like six months or a year without doing one at all. And then we said, okay, we're going to do one a quarter. We're going to try to do one a quarter. And we started on that tempo. once we did that, then we started realizing the benefit, right? it took a while. We didn't really realize the benefit because we didn't have that much out there. We didn't have that much content out there. And then um, we started doing quarterly. And then I said, okay, we're doing monthly. And I think that was like two years ago or a year ago. We started saying, okay, we're going to try to do one, one a month. And now I'm trying to do two a month. So Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, yeah, we, we're, we're sold on it, but it, it, it did take a long time to kind of get ramped up and we got distracted. And, you know, when you're trying sure. to start anything, it's, it's easy to get, it's easy to put it aside. If it's, if it's hard to do.
0: Yeah. And in that ramp up, uh, you know, it's a lot harder with a podcast than a blog post, right. For because sure. of the inherent complexity and in, in editing and posting. And uh, yeah, it's, I think I told you this stat, that there's only three hundred and seventy seven thousand podcasts in the world who have released an episode in the last ninety days and have released more than ten episodes. Isn't yeah. that something? And that's it's, like uh, out of out of the couple million podcasts out there. Because it's really hard to uh, uh, yeah to do that. In fact, we tell our clients frequently they'll say, "Yeah, I want to do a weekly podcast," and we will strongly encourage them to just start with monthly because you yeah. can always ramp up more quickly. But when you go the other way, it just leaves uh, kind of a bad vibe uh, with everybody. And I'm sure you've seen those podcasts, right? You find a podcast, you kind of like it, you start listening and you notice their frequency. They've they Their podcast is faded, right? They mm. start with weekly and then they go to twice a month and then they go to monthly and then quarterly. And then all of a sudden the last episode was in 2015 and you haven't heard from them
1: since.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we encourage our people to start, uh, to start monthly. Um, So control, one of the things you mentioned under the control was that, that you like is if you want to do an hour long episode or hour and 15 minutes or whether you do a 30 minute episode, that's all up to you. It's not like you have a radio show where you have hard time stops and commercial breaks and you get to choose the guests you want and you can publish as frequently as you, as you like. So talk to me about just the, the control that you have by having your own podcast. That's uh desirable to you.
1: Yeah. It's it's um it's just a freedom, right? It's like, um, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what to compare it to because I've never had anything that wasn't like that. But it is very, um, it's it's good. And your podcast guests, like we we don't come up with we don't plan out like oh we're gonna let's let's have our booking set up for the next three months. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with planning. It's just not how I do it. Like I just do it very. Uh, spontaneously, you know, if, if I have a conversation with somebody or if I meet somebody and I go, oh, this, this, they got something interesting to say and an interesting, interesting way to say it. I need to have them on the podcast. Um, great example of that. I was at a dinner with, um, EO right when I started with EO, we, we launched the chapter here in Charleston. So it was a labor of love to start that chapter. There were three of us that got it going, and the Nashville office helped us get that going, and this attorney came who um, was a big sponsor of EO, and we were at dinner, and just – he was telling me about sort of his contract philosophy, which was unique from coming from an attorney – which I liked very much because it matched up with, it aligned very well with my philosophy is contracts should be as simple as they possibly can be. Like we don't like 30 page purchase agreements. We like four page purchase agreements, you know? Sure. And, and here's this lawyer going, you know, words don't need to be wasted in a contract. You know, You, you, you need to have a really concise contract that's understandable by anyone. And I'm like, what are you, are you for real? Like, <laughs> are you really an attorney? <laughs> are you really an attorney, or do, 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 uh, does a group of attorneys come and try to burn your house down every night? Like, where, where are you from? And um, he's actually worked for a big company called Baker Donaldson, which is one of the largest oh, in yeah. the southeast. Chris, yeah. um, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his last name. It's escaping me right now. Um, anyway, he i said I, I need to have you on my podcast he's like sure let's do it and we did and it it's it's one that i share with clients all the time so not only do we use it as content for uh just put it out in the world we we use it as like an educational tool so so that mm-hmm. particular podcast we you know if if i have if i have a client that's um that I'm feeling is going to go with that really lengthy contract sort of idea. I can say, look, we really don't, we don't really think that's a good approach and listen to this. You know, if, if, if I can't convince you, listen to this and and
0: then see what you say. And um, isn't that great it, because it does two things, right? One is you truly can help them. And the other is it reinforces your expertise because they get exactly. to hear you talking to the attorney intelligently about the benefits of a shorter contract.
1: Exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of like you have this really interesting content. It's it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not interesting for everybody here about sure. Why contracts should be cut, but, (laughs) but it's interesting interesting for
0: people, but it's interesting to people who are about to buy, buy or sell a CPA practice.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, you know, I love being able to sort of say, "Oh, this would be a great guest," um, or "This is a great topic." You know, you have a conversation with a client, and you know, like, this is a topic we need to explore. Oh, this, this needs to be talked about. Who mm-hmm. who could we talk to about this topic? So, um, I find that's the, sort of the best way to kind of go through and figure out what you want to talk about and who you want to talk with is is just what's coming up naturally in the interaction you have with your clients.
0: Yeah. And you know what's interesting about the guests is when we're talking to somebody who's considering a podcast, oftentimes they'll say to us, ah, I don't know who I would invite. And and even if I do know people, most of them probably are going to be too busy. They're not going to say yes. But that's not been my experience. What would you say? What percentage of the people do you invite to be a guest? on your podcast who say yes? Is it 90% plus?
1: Yeah, I think it probably is. I never thought about it, but yeah, I I, I can't think of any ever being turned down.
0: You know, I have this, (laughs) I have this theory, Brandon, that when you invite somebody to be on a podcast, because it's not something that they experience on a regular basis, right? I mean, most of my guests have never been on a podcast. So when you invite them to be on there, it's a it's a, it's a a new concept, and their brain doesn't really have a place to put it. So they put it mm. like the closest they could think of. And so I always joke that when I invite somebody to be on my podcast, their brain kind of goes, okay, how do I assess that? Uh, how, what is this like? Oh, yeah, this would be like if Dave said, hey, I'm hosting The Tonight Show next week. Would you like to stop <laughs> by on Tuesday as it could be a guest? I <laughs> yeah. swear it. All right. Cause isn't that been your experience? People are, are flattered that you asked them.
1: They are. Uh, um, they are flattered. I think the hardest people to get on are people who are doing a lot of podcasts, but they're not even that. I mean, they like doing it too. So. Right. I, Cause I just, it's easy for you know, them.
0: They don't have to do any prep work. They don't have to ask the questions or carry the podcast. They just get to show right. up.
1: Right. They just get to show up. So I, I, yeah, I like that. that that uh, visual of being on
0: tonight's show,
1: which, um, yeah, I like that. No, it's true. I, I think people, and, you know, I think back to the being invited by Rick Payne to be on his podcast. It was, it was sort of, it was, it was, uh, I was excited. My nervousness was, was really excitement. Um,
0: sure. And I to, to do. I interviewed a guy this morning, an attorney in Houston and I'd asked him if he'd ever gotten any business from his podcast. And he said, no, he said, but because of the podcast, I've been asked to be a guest on other people's podcasts. And I've gotten Mm -hmm. business from being a guest on other people's podcasts, which I thought was real interesting, you know, so because the best way to be a guest on a podcast is to invite that host to be a guest on your podcast. And then frequently they, uh, reciprocate at least that's been my experience
1: yeah exactly well you were on my podcast a couple we we recorded it a little bit ago and it'll (laughs) so there you go um absolutely i've had several people where we've done that and you don't always get invited you know back on their podcast but you often do and sure i have gotten i have gotten business from podcasts that i've been a guest on and. Yeah, and those are leads. Those are like, that's where the lead comes from. Yeah, and that I,
0: means it was a brand new. That lead would have never found you any other
1: way. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, we, we did. Uh, yeah.
0: No, go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say like we we have like our intake forms when we ask people how'd you hear about us, and it's it's cool when I see jet jet jetpack workflow podcast or you know. Whatever. And it's. Um, yeah. And that's. A little trick that I've discovered is if you mention someone on your podcast, um, like you mentioned Ron Baker, so then you send Ron, hey, you're, you're mentioned in this podcast and sometimes they'll share it and stuff. So um,
0: that's a good way to. Oh, that's a great That's a great idea. So you could basically have, now you've really got my wheels turning, Brandon. So like, I could just have a podcast with you and I could just have a list of like the hundred people, like I want to (laughs) contact with and we could
1: just,
0: we could just go through and think (laughs) up reasons to like, like, Hey, Brandon, do you know any really good contract attorneys in the Southeast? You know, sure. I know you'd mention my, oh yeah, I'd love to meet him sometime. Yeah. And, then, and then we would go back and forth. And then you'd say to me, hey, Dave, do you know anybody who might be looking to sell a CPA practice in North Carolina? You know, there's Tom over there. You know, he might be interested. <laughs> well,
1: I, I don't I don't condone like stuffing to do your name dropping that way.
0: Um, <laughs> Understood. Yeah, I was just. Exactly <laughs> but for the fun but yeah, her.
1: it does. But it works. It does work. Like it's. it's um, so, and,
0: you know, the one guest. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say sometimes it's I'm not mentioning that my guest is mentioning someone, and I'll I'll email the person and say, hey, you were mentioned on this podcast. Um, so yeah,
0: but go ahead to to your. Point. Oh, I was gonna say the other fun thing is now there's a couple podcast guests I've had who I've not been invited to be on theirs, and one of them was Ron Baker. And uh, now, have you been invited to be on Ron's podcast?
1: No, no. Okay, I'm well, not. good.
0: That, makes me, feel, that <laughs> makes me feel better. And the other one that I wasn't expecting to be invited was John Warlow, the guy that wrote the book Built to Sell. And yeah. uh, he's got like one of the top 10 uh, podcasts for entrepreneurs out there. So I knew that that one was a stretch. But what's funny is I would have thought when I first got into this business that that would have been an impossible guest to get. But, but it turns out he had a new book coming out and it turns out when people have a new book coming out, they're much more willing to come on your podcast because they get ah. to talk about their book. So I've learned yeah. that as a little trick, if there's somebody really high profile you want to get, wait till they have a book come out and, uh, and then invite them then in. or even well, a year you know, later. I- it-
1: did you know I have a new book that just came out? And that's not why well, I, I agreed to come on your podcast. I
0: know. Well you, you, you mentioned it to me, <laughs> the one that the one that you used Dean Jackson's company to help you publish yeah. it, right? Yeah. So tell me, why don't you tell me about that book while we're on that subject, Brandon? Okay. What prompted you to write that? What prompted you to write <laughs> that was- book? And just just so the people listening know, I,
1: this was not planned. This is this was totally uh, random. But yeah, it, well, when you write a book, you're kind of excited about it. It's a it's an sure. exciting thing. And we just got the copies, like our printed copies, um, this week, so it's fresh. But it's a small book. It's about fifty pages. So it's a really it's more like a booklet. But
0: yeah, called it's the unplugged.
1: Va- it's easy to read. It's called the unplugged vacation. And it's about how um, I've gotten really good at when I go on vacation, I don't even take my smartphone. I don't take a laptop or a smartphone. And, you know, I've done, I've done that on like three week vacations where I don't, that's awesome. You know, I just totally unplug and I don't do any work and very strategic coach concept. Right. But one of my um eo forum mates was going on vacation and um she was going to work and i said no don't do it don't work like go and enjoy because she was going with her three children and her husband and they were renting a um boat and um going all over the caribbean kind of island hopping I was like, you can't work on that. That's a trip of a lifetime. Like, that's an awesome trip. Don't ruin it by working. And um, I said, I'll write it up for you. I'll show you. You know, I'll give you the step by step on how you set up your office to run without you when you're gone. And I did that. And I'm like, man, wow, this is something. This is pretty cool. And so we turned it into an entire module of Accounting Practice Academy. And we wrote a book about it and it's sort of the, the steps that you need to take to be able to do that. And it's not that hard. It's just a matter of doing it. And um, I've had people from academy who've gone through academy. Those members have said, you know, oh, my gosh, what a what a treat. You know, I haven't done that in 30 years.
0: <laughs> and, That's awesome and and just for you know, so the listeners oh, go ahead
1: no it's it's just uh, you know uh, i feel like i grew up vacationing so my parents were teachers my both of my parents were teachers my father was a college professor and my mother was an elementary teacher so we had summers off and so i grew up vacationing you know we we were, we had that luxury of time so that's how i grew up and i've always valued that um, and I bet your fact, and I we, bet your
0: parents never brought their iPhone on vacation did they?
1: <laughs> no, no. No. There was there was of course there was no iPhone no, back then. No iPhone back then. We we actually we actually went to Europe for uh like 7 8 weeks one summer and then uh we had a you know two month vacation. So I value that tremendously because I you know the experience, the connection you have with your family on a long, long trip like that, and just experiencing that sort of uh, that much leisure time—it's so energizing. It's so energizing. Um, oh, so yeah, that's that's what the book's about.
0: For sure. Well, I want to just talk about a a couple more benefits. One of them is under content, repurpose your show content into eBooks, white papers, blog posts, articles, marketing, social media posts, et cetera. And you check that one. So talk to me about some of the ways you've used your podcast. And then by the way, when you're done, I'm going to tell you a story about how we're going to use our podcast that you might find interesting. I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's valid- So when I when I was going down your checklist, like as a benefit, it's a benefit that we we've, we've um, discovered, but we haven't fully utilized. That's something that we could could do better at. Um, we just started adding the transcription on some of ours, mm-hmm. and you put that you know you put the podcast out there in a little blur, but then you can have the full transcription and that way the search engines can find the podcast people can find it more easily so I think there's an SEO search engine yeah. optimization benefit um, yeah I mean we we um we realize there's there's benefit because some people prefer it to be written um, you know some people would rather have a, a white paper or a, a right. guide and um, I, I see how that all could be done um, we, we, we haven't done as good a job as I think we, we will be doing, you know, going forward.
0: No, that's, that's great. Well, so do you want my little, uh, insight on one of the things we're going to do? So first off, I had some really good advice, uh, from the person who helped me with my podcast. So we've done transcripts from the beginning and, um, And so podcasting stories, the new podcast we launched, I launched this at the same time that we launched uh, the new podcasting business two or three months ago. And I decided to do an episode a week And basically the podcasting stories podcast is I'm basically being a Guinea pig for our podcasting clients. So my original podcast was only like a monthly cadence and, uh, so I'm really tr- experimenting. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to take our first 12 episodes and we're going to turn them into a book. And I'm going to use Dean Jackson's ah. company to create the book. And one of the things that and none of my clients even know this, so hopefully none of them are listening. But what <laughs> we, did, we encourage our clients to start with just monthly, monthly cadence. We charge $750 for one episode a month. And um, uh, but, you know we do everything else. So we're going to encourage them at the end of the year when they have 12 episodes in to turn that into a book because mm. that way they, as you know, when you have a book on your subject, because here's the thing I learned from Dean is nobody reads your book anyway. Or I mean, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I shouldn't say nobody, but yeah. most of the people who download a copy or intend to read, it's not just your book. It's all books, right? Like, Right. Some shockingly high percentage of the books purchased, the people never read the whole thing. And so Dean asserts that the benefit of a book is just saying you have a book because we're conditioned from early age that books are rare and special and it takes a special person to write a book and, and very few people pull it off. And so, uh, and so, and so, yeah, so now we're anticipating our guest at the end of the year They'll have. Did you ever read Tim Ferriss's book, uh, Titans? Something Titans, and yeah, that's what he did. Own, he took.
1: Yeah, huh? I own the book, so, but I haven't read it all. <laughs> <haven't>
0: read it. <laughs> well, it's a big book, but all but he yeah, did it's too was big. <laughs> he, he took he just took like his first three hundred podcast interviews, and he basically turned each one into a chapter in the book, with that like lessons be. learned and stuff. So that's where I borrowed the idea from. But what we're, we're envisioning with our clients is that imagine if each client at the end of the year, they we basically do the book for them, right? Because, you know, you don't even have to do the interview format because we already have the transcripts. Each interview will be a chapter. And we'll, you know, so think about how little time it took you for, to do your oh, yeah. book. Think about how much even less time it would have taken if your book was just a compilation of transcripts. So then what we're envisioning is that our clients will, that just become like an annual tradition that every January they'll have their new book. So that gives them an excuse to reach out to their database. Hey, the new book is out, you know, in case you didn't have a chance to listen to all the episodes last year. um, Hey, just, you know, I'll send you a copy of the book and you can just uh, read all the transcripts. So that's one of the things yeah. that we we're uh, we're planning to do.
1: Uh, that's a great idea. I mean I, I think that's a wonderful idea. Um it'll I wonder if that would influence how people do their podcasts. And you know, like if you know it's gonna be a book, does that change how you
0: want to mm. invite guests and your topics and like That's a good question because for my book it didn't influence it any, but you know, for maybe the next one, maybe it will. Maybe I'll try to intentionally uh, be more deliberate on the guests and the order they appear uh, mm-hmm. to, to do that. But I'm what I'm envisioning is that I'll basically have an intro with like kind of takeaways from each chapter, from each guest. And then uh, so in many ways, if they just read the cover and like the introduction chapter, They'll basically have you know ninety percent of the value, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's the uh, that's that's one of the ways we're planning on using uh, that content. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. so uh, and by the way, I wanted to mention. So, Brandon, you and I met in Strategic Coach in Dallas at the Four Seasons about ten years ago, wasn't it?
1: It's yeah, it's been it's been maybe longer than that. I I can't remember exactly when I joined strategic coach, but yeah.
0: Um, oh, in, in fact, in fact, um, Dan Sullivan is brilliant and we would recommend everybody go check out strategic coach. So now I can send Dan an email mentioning that he was on my, <laughs> I mentioned him in the podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. I, I do listen to Dan's podcast. That he's got a great podcast he's got several um, he does
0: which is your favorite wonderful podcast. do you have a favorite series
1: oh gosh um didn't he have mine's one on probably nine? the one with uh, the
0: one with dean jackson is probably my favorite
1: yeah i need to listen to that one because you never listen to grade?
0: that one i don't think i have yeah welcome to cloudlandia uh That one is just all it is is just Dean and Dan just uh, chatting for an hour about whatever they feel like talking about. But there's so much brilliance between those in those two minds. And then this the uh, synergistic effect of them bouncing ideas off of each other.
1: In fact, it was
0: that podcast. It was on one of those podcasts that Who Not How came about. That's where they right. like, I, came up with the concept of who not how that led to the best selling book. Yeah.
1: I heard that that Dean Jackson actually coined the phrase who
0: not how was his Yeah, he did. His, he did. And uh and uh, but Dan and that's why Dan gives him uh gives him full credit. So yeah, strategic yeah. coach uh uh good stuff. Well, is oh, there yeah. anything that you wish I'd asked you that I didn't?
1: Um, I can't think of anything, Dave. This was a, this was a, a good thorough discussion and, uh, you've given me some great ideas for, for my content and podcast. And, um, I gave you the idea about the name
0: drop. So there you exactly. go. Exactly. So, so I'd say it was, a, <laughs> it was a, it was a value for value, uh, hour uh, together. Yeah. So, Hey, so, uh, Two, two last questions, three, three last questions. The last one's really short. Um, what do you wish you knew when you started your podcast eight years ago? What do you know now that you wish you knew then?
1: I wish I knew how effective it was because I would have ramped it up faster.
0: Mm, okay. And here's a question I borrowed from Tim Ferriss. So if you are having a conversation with your 25-year-old self, Mm -hmm. Uh, what advice would you have for your 25 year old self?
1: It'll all work out. (laughs) Okay. Don't worry so much. Like I was, you know, I spent, I spent, um, time worrying. I had a family, you know, I had my family when I was really young. I was 24 when I had our first child. So that lit a big fire under me to, to be pretty ambitious and hardworking and, um, which I I'm
0: grateful for, but, um, he, so were you little nervous of, then about like going out on your own to, Oh, sure. Yeah. Practices?
1: I was, you know, I was a lot more at stake. So I had to be cautious in business because I couldn't take risks. Like some people could, because I had three children sure. Um, sure. by the time I was 27. So, um, but yeah, it all, it all worked
0: out. So that would be your, your advice. It'll all work out. Just uh, go for it. Huh? Yeah, go for it. Awesome. Well, my last question is how can people best reach you?
1: Um, Two ways. Just go to our website, Pogroupadvisors.com. Um, and then um, email is probably the, most effective way to get me and that's bpo at com.
0: okay awesome well Brandon this has been a treat to have you on the podcast and I appreciate you making you making time this was uh this was a lot of fun
1: yeah it was so much fun Dave I uh, appreciate you having me on
0: Awesome. Well, hey, you have a great afternoon and uh, I look forward to seeing you in person in October at uh, Strategic Coach the next time we're in person.
1: Yes. Can't wait for that. Looking forward to it.
0: All right. Take care. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.